Hey, good morning, friends. Pastor Greg here. Uh, the sermon for today is going to come from outdoors. I'm here with Kyle Olson. Give a shout out, Kyle. What's up? All right. You might hear a few planes, trains, and automobiles, but hopefully that won't distract us from hearing God's word. Out here uh, at our neighbor's house, really next door at Park Place, there's some of the raised vegetable gardens that the residents at Park Place take care of. And uh, the longer we go through this era, the more and more we're using the great outdoors, God's sanctuary really, uh, as um, a way of doing ministry. And hopefully rather than seeing that blue couch and that same purple chair week after week, uh, it will help to hear God's word in this beautiful environment this morning. For the next three weeks, we are going to be hanging out in Luke chapter 8. So if you can find Luke 8 in a Bible or on a phone, we'll be following the text um, of that chapter this morning. And this is a chapter uh, that really has one of Jesus' most famous stories or parables. It often is called the parable of the sower, the person who sows or tosses the seed. Uh, really, I prefer to call this the parable of the soils. Uh, really, this is a story that is all about um, the way God is cultivating growth and life and health and how we can cooperate with his plan. So this is a vision, uh, this three-week sermon series that came out of our discipleship team. Jesus starts his story this way. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told them this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and then choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when Jesus said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus wants us to hear that in this story, God is the one who is sowing the seed. And what he's sowing is his word and his will and his guidance for our life. The original audience, and we're right there together with them, hopefully this morning, they're left to wonder what's going on uh, with all the seed that God is so liberally tossing about. We're invited to see ourselves possibly as one of the four different types of soil, one of the four different reactions to receiving uh, the way God is spreading and giving his grace in the world. And we have some influence on how we are cultivating our soil, how we receive what God is sending our way, how it takes root in us and grows up uh, and in us and out of us. So I actually brought along some seed for some illustrative purposes this morning. I'll be tossing a little about here and there as we go along. Here's the amazing thing about seed. It looks small, dead, brown. Doesn't look like it has a ton of potential, but it has tremendous growing potential. If with the seed you add a little bit of water and air and sunshine and good soil, that unlocks this amazing life potential inside of the seed. And the same thing is true with us. If we add the Word of God, and prayer, and service, and the soil of a healthy community, amazing potential and good fruit can come out of us. So I'm going to throw a little seed on the ground so we can not only 
hear Jesus' words, but actually see with our own eyes. Probably not many of us uh, today in 2020 have the same experience, either farming or tending a garden or growing our own food as Jesus' original audience did. So um, hopefully God will stretch us a little bit with this outdoor environment today. All right, I'm here with my satchel full of seeds, about to throw some on the ground. I don't know how well this is going to work for growing stuff. Uh, happily, when it comes to this parable, Jesus did some amazing explaining in Luke chapter 8. I'm going to start reading at verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable, Jesus said. The seed is the word of God, and those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So here on this asphalt path, just adjacent to the gardens, um, I'm not very optimistic that any of the seed is going to grow. I mean, possibly some could sink down into some of the cracks between the concrete and the asphalt, and maybe uh, a little plant could spring up. Uh, it's kind of beautiful when it happens, but more likely this is going to get trampled by feet. Cars are going to drive over it, and uh, my guess is if I camped out by some trees over here, Later today, we could catch some sparrows probably eating the seed or probably a couple squirrels or uh, rabbits venturing out here to find some lunch. And Jesus says, this is exactly what happens in the hearts of many human lives. God spreads his seed, again, liberally and freely all over the place. But if some of us are like this kind of ground, there's no opportunity for the seed really to take root. And what happens is that the devil, the powers of darkness, knowing how much good God potential is inside the seed, powers of darkness actually come in, trample this stuff, and then take it away so that there's not even the possibility of those um, maybe spare chance seeds taking root and growing up. This is one of the worst things about the power of evil in the world. It robs us of our God-given potential of the God-given possibility of the good things that God is sending our way, really taking root in our life and growing up. For some of us today, this is exactly the kind of heart or the kind of soil that we have. Uh, I would make the case that if you feel yourself um, thickly believing one of the devil's lies in your life, this is exactly what is going on. If you're in a place where you're believing that you have to um, earn God's approval through your achievement, or perfect behavior, uh, God's grace, uh, this kind of seed, is not going to be able to take root in your life. If you're convinced um, that you need to be the life of the party, you need to try so hard, you need to be helping everybody you find uh, in order for God to deem you worthy to give you some seed in your life, uh, it's never going to take root at this point. God is not only the seed giver, he's the one who wants to help us realize our potential and whatever lies we believe that cut off that potential, uh, the powers of darkness are absolutely thrilled about that. Jesus continues explaining the parable in verse 13. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So here I am now, really close to the garden beds, a little more seed. It's going on uh, the rocky path uh, right next door to all this good soil, which is amazing. 
The seed is going to get water here on the rocky path. It's going to get plenty of air. It's going to get plenty of sunshine, but it's just so close to the good soil. It doesn't have good soil. For the second type of person, Jesus is saying there are many of us who have almost all the elements to unlock the potential of God's seed of his word in our life. But we're just so close, but missing the good soil. We're running into the hardness of the rocks so that the roots aren't actually possible to go down and uh, take strong growth. Did you know that of the plants that we see here, um, 80% of the mass of this plant, 80% of the life of this plant is underground in the soil that we don't see. People who farm know this. They know that the, the real action is going on beyond what the human eye can see in the mystery of subterranean underground growth. And I believe Jesus is pointing out something similar that when it comes to our spiritual life, our spiritual energy, our spiritual vitality, so much of what really is going on is in the mystery of our souls where we commune with God. Everything on the surface can look beautiful. There can be water, air, and sunshine, but unless the roots are going down deep, deep, where 80% of the life is, it's not going to truly work. In America, um, I think we demonstrate a lack of rooted faith when we say things like, you know, I don't really need the church, just me and Jesus are doing pretty well. Or when people say, like, I just really keep my faith private. Or when they say things like, I don't need to go to church. They're all hypocrites at church. Part of that is true. We are all hypocrites at church. But God has designed us as growing things to need and be rooted down deep in the soil together. Have you ever seen a stalk of corn growing only by itself, randomly in the middle of nowhere? It's now how it works. Like, corn... Uh, grows up because it's obviously planted in rows together, but takes strength from one another. Have you ever seen a black-eyed Susan plant that only has one single flower growing out of it? Of course not. Uh, the testimony of nature is that things grow up along each other and side by side, that they're rooted down deep together, and God created us to be better together. If we're thinking about going it alone, spiritually speaking, we are running the danger of being exactly like this rocky soil where no true root uh, can start to run deep. But there are even greater spiritual dangers for us. Uh, we're going to take a little field trip to a different type of soil for this next part. So Jesus describes a third soil type starting at verse 14. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So we just drove about a quarter mile away from church and park place. We're standing by, by the edge of Salt Creek, a little wildflower garden that the city of Elmhurst plants every year. And I'm going to toss uh, some fresh seed just out here among the wildflowers. So this isn't exactly like the thorns that Jesus said, but the same kind of competition is going to go on right here. For this seed, do you think this is going to grow? It might take root, it's got air, it's got water, it's got sun, it's got some better soil, but is it going to grow? Like, no way, because it has already lost the competition to the strongly rooted wildflowers that are already here. In this part of the passage for soil type number three, Jesus points out that for our human hearts, there are three main competitors, kind of the 
Olympic podium, gold, silver, and bronze medal for things that can distract us and choke out and outcompete the Word of God from taking root in our lives. And these three things are worries and riches and pleasure. If ever there was a time to worry, it was right now. We human beings start to worry when we can't see very far into the future, where we don't know where things are going, when we wonder uh, how things are going to turn out or what the outcomes are going to be. And all of us uh, are in a place where we know less, uh, where we can be less confident about what we think the next four months or six months or year is going to look like than we could in any previous year. 2020 is the ultimate year of worry. But I believe COVID has done us a favor by exposing this about the way we operate. Because we know so little about where the future is going right now, we have the opportunity to defeat that source of worry because it's so obvious, it's so close to the surface, we can name it, identify it, and push past it. So the actual seed of God's potential can take root deeper with us instead of us falling for uh, the regular thought that we've had that we actually know where the world is going. Second thing that can choke out the seed are riches. Not going to lie, money can solve a lot of problems. Uh, it can make a lot of problems go away. It can diminish a lot of problems. I mean, life is way harder when you're wondering how you're going to pay the rent or how you're going to make ends meet for the next month. However, uh, riches and cash uh, money in the bank, knowing confidently that you have enough cash flow to make everything work is not the ultimate answer. And it does not ultimately help God's seed from taking root in our life. There are a lot of things that money can solve, but money cannot ultimately make someone love us. Money cannot uh, purchase forgiveness or the kindness or the affection of another uh, human being. Money cannot earn you the kind of hug where you know someone is there for you, where you feel safe and secure in their arms. Uh, money can't do any of the things that truly, truly matter at the end of the day. And again, I think if there was ever a time where this truth was exposed, it's right now. We're living in an age of a pandemic where whether you're rich or poor, whether you can pay your bills or not, we are all in the same boat. No amount of money is going to solve this virological problem uh, immediately or in the short term. The last thing that Jesus mentions in terms of choking out um, God's potential in our life is our seeking after pleasure. Here's what I know even about lots of awesome Christian people. We dedicate maybe five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, maybe even a half hour or an hour a day to thinking about God uh, and the things of God. And without even trying, for so many of us, our thoughts almost every other hour of the day turns to the things that we want, that we need, the things that um, make us happy, the things that give us pleasure and make us feel better. We don't need to try at all to think about that, to think about what we're going to eat next, uh, what kind of clothes we'd like to buy, some place that we'd like to be on vacation, how we're going to shop later, or how good it's going to feel to be able to get to the gym for a few hours when we're done with our responsibilities, whatever it is for you. If it makes you feel good, it's super easy to think about those things. If we could view one another's mental transcripts, it would be really, really humbling along these lines of just what percentage of our thoughts are after the things that actually just make us personally feel good. We easily focus on 
the gifts rather than the giver, rather than the sower. Jesus points out with brutal honesty that these things have the power to zap the potential of God's seed in our life. So we've heard about three different types of soil. There is one final option that is significantly better than anything we've heard about yet. Jesus ends the parable this way, Luke 8, 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. How do you know where the good soil is? The proof is in the fruit. So we're back here at Park Place. There's a foot and a half of beautiful dark soil here and things are growing and thriving and uh, it's pretty much tomato season at this point. There is no fruit without deep roots growing into the ground. Again, 80% of the life of this plant, of the weight of this plant, is underground, subterranean, where we will never see it. And the fruit is the proof that the roots are in the ground. And this is what Jesus is asking of us, particularly in this season, that we allow our roots to go deep. Um, maybe because the environment around us is more of a struggle than it's ever been before, that especially now we allow the roots to go deep so that we can cultivate uh, the kind of fruit and growth that the world desperately needs. So I was here at Park Place a few days ago and I feel like God sent me a little grace moment. Um, one of our uh, parishioners, Sarah Andrews, keeps a little garden here, actually right next door to where I am right now. And Sarah was walking out early in the morning with a pan of water. Uh, she actually called it rice water. So she had made some rice at home and out of love and nurture and cultivating the growth in her own garden, she was carrying out this nutrient-rich water uh, to gently uh, take care of her bean plants uh, to try to coax a little bit extra um, life and fruit out of her plants. And when I talked to Sarah briefly and saw her doing that, I thought, that's just like God. I mean, this parable is both about how God is so gracious and liberal in his sowing. It definitely is about us being the kind of soil that is open and receptive to going deep. Um, but I do not want to ignore that the way growth really happens is also the grace and the kindness of God, that in all of our lives, God is doing something regularly like Sarah Andrews is doing for her bean plant, giving us just that little extra nutrient, the little extra care and tenderness and kindness that we need uh, to turn and seek him and grow um, more deeply up toward him uh, and in with our roots and then out in fruitfulness. We're going to make one final stop. So I'm here with Kyle on the east side of our church campus now because there are some trees here that I think beautifully illustrate the kind of growth and fruitfulness that Jesus is calling us toward in this chapel. So the leafy trees just behind me here, uh, when I was a kid, I identified these as popple trees. Uh, the more scientific name is a quaking aspen. If you've ever been to the mountains of Colorado or out west, uh, these trees turn beautiful yellow colors in the fall and dot the mountains. Um, the amazing thing about quaking aspen trees is that uh, as they take root, they join together and become a single organism underground. 
Uh, so scientists tell us that the largest single organism on the entire planet right now is a 105-acre patch of quaking aspen trees in the mountains of Utah. If you took a DNA sample from any of those trees, you would find out that they're actually all clones of one another. Uh, a single 105-acre, super health, health, heavy and massive uh, tree. In a similar way, we are not being called to be clones of one another but we are being called as Jesus Church to go deep with our spiritual roots. And when we are joined in community and Christian fellowship, it allows the kind of uh, growth and spread and heft that the world needs in a spiritual way now more than ever. Jesus is not calling us to be clones of one another, but to actually become little clones of him in terms of his... Uh, values, in terms of his virtue, in terms of his behavior. This is what the word Christian means. It means little Christ. And what are those virtues? Jesus is calling us to have the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Those are the beautiful, life-giving fruits of the Spirit. These trees, they need water. The human heart, it needs the Word of God. These trees, they need air. We need prayer. These trees, they need sunshine. We need to serve one another. These trees need soil, and we too need the soil of healthy community so that we can live into the vision of cultivating awesome growth that Jesus set before us. Amen.